This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2022, episode 37. Dr. Rob, are you ready for Turkey Week? It's, it's happening whether you want it to or not. I mean, it's coming up. Now, do you do a lot of shopping on Black Friday, or is it just no, all football? No. I we specifically like lock ourselves in at home. Like we do, we're we're not we don't go out on Friday. You know, it used to be, and and I, it wasn't that long ago. Like people would line up at Walmart at like you know midnight and 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 stay out all night. Do people do still they, do that? I was going to ask, do they not? I thought they still did that. Well, to me, I you know we're into the point where we just buy everything online, so it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of what we do as well, too. Like if we're going to get something, if we're going to blow some change on Black Friday, it's all on online deals. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't I don't have any desire to go hang out with standing room only crowds of people I don't know for stuff I don't like doing anyway. Amen to that. So we are drinking a beer today. It's called the... Yeah, can I drink the beer? Yeah, you hold on for a second. It's called I the... Because ta- I haven't tasted this yet. No, I, I know, because I've started mine. Yeah, and you say you and, you and Owen are sitting here like, oh my God, this tastes like Starbucks in a can. Well, see, that's probably going to give it away for you because I wasn't expecting it. So this is the Funky Buddha, and Josh sent this to us. Josh has sent us some beer before. Nice. But if we you we go, like Josh. It, it scored a 99 on Beer Advocate. So this is from the Funky or the Funky Brewing Company or Funky Buddha Brewing Company. It's called the Last Snow. It's is it a, Oakland, Florida? Uh, it's somewhere in Florida. It's somewhere in Florida. Uh, oh, Oakland Park, Florida. Oakland Park, yeah. Florida. So it's from right. the FunkyBuddhaBrewery.com. Because I mean, we spent a lot of time in Florida. I got my. I'm rocking a little seminal action here I, today. But. I, I love their. I love their packaging. Last Snow, an ode to those rare days. The needle dips below seventy. Last snow tastes the way a winter wonderland feels. Well, I like the, what was the line? There's some line on the can here about, well, you just said it, like like on the rare occasion it dips below seven. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's, it's definitely below so, now, 70 this week in Nebraska. This is a coffee porter with coconut. Okay, can I try it yet? Yeah, boy, you, you, you don't... You don't have very much patience, do you? No. Okay, drink, drink up. Let, let, let's hear your first reaction to this. Yeah, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> so, okay, now here's the thing. I I can definitely taste the coconut. So can I. I don't know if Owen got the t- coconut as much as I did because I was like, oh, my God, that's like an almond joy. Now, here's the thing. Mounds and almond joy. I, I'm like the one dad who would rifle through their kids' uh Halloween candy. You and I are the same, Specifically, brother. Because none of my... Well, our daughter liked coconut. Our oldest daughter, Brennan, Florida State, likes coconut. But, like, the other two wanted nothing to do with the mounds and almond joy. And so, like, I, I just, like, I got to rake it in from that. And, and to me, I like the almond joy, which is rare because I'm not a dark chocolate guy. But there's something about the almond, dark chocolate, and coconut that I like better than the mounds, which is the milk chocolate. I'll I'll take both. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I I do like coconut, so this is good. I like it a lot. I just was not. That's good. I wasn't prepared for it because usually little porters are a little thicker for me. I'm not really big into the coffee porter, but so we we you know we did a number of like some early morning recordings yes. earlier this year. We're, we were hitting like the oatmeal stouts, the yeah. milk stouts, all of those. Because uh, I always think of stouts as kind of like. It's like a breakfast beer. It's like if, if you're going to drink early in the day, 
if you're going to do that pre-noon beer, that brunch beer, tailgate beer before for those 11 a.m. football games, it's got to be Bloody Marys or it's got to be like porters and stouts. I, 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 and I thank everybody that has sent us beer this year because people sent us a lot of beer, and I believe we've got more on the way. Um, I, I, I don't like to pick favorites. This might be my favorite we've had this year. I this one is for a single beer. It's way up there. Yes, um, we had. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta look. God, he's a. He's in. I think a North Platte, Nebraska guy, anesthesiologist in Connecticut. Sent us Treehouse Brewing. Yeah, that was high on my list. I I really liked the Treehouse. That nope. was good. And the Georgia beers we've been getting are, are really good. But there's a good assortment there. But yeah, just- we've gotten so much. I was gonna say we. Like our 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 listeners in in the Georgia Alabama area have sent us a lot of those southeastern beers and they've all been good. And, and again, I'm not saying just to overall brewery. I'm just saying eat for an individual beer. This one is just like, and usually you can only maybe do one or two of these. I could see uh, where I could a, do more than these. I'm going to be a two and done, but that's a, that's a good stout though. What? That is that is a smooth freaking stout. You, you look at the can and the whole last snow like um. Oh, I just blanked. Is it who does who does Snow Beast here in Nebraska? Is that Ooh. Zipline? I don't know. I mean, well, it's funny that you bring up Zipline because or that might be uh, Zipline. That reached, might be Kincaider. Zipline reached out to me and said, "Hey, we're looking for some marketing opportunities because they listen to the podcast." And I said, "You know, we don't really As do well. An, they should. We don't really do an exclusive with anybody in town." But I said, "We we could work out something." And I said, "So the, Snow, Snow Beast is Kincaider. Is Kincaider? And that's, a, and that's kind of a." That that is a you you drink that one and you're like oh my god I just that that's like a one and done that that hits hell that that one hits pretty hard it's you, good don't get me wrong I'm just saying you drink that and you're like okay I definitely just drank a beer and a half right there this is really smooth yeah you know the interesting part is because my favorite Kincaider beer is actually their jalapeno beer have you ever had Kincaider's jalapeno yeah, beer yeah and I think everybody you know I don't, everybody I know loves a jalapeno beer um. My favorite jalapeno beer is always going to be Jaipur. It's always going to be Jaipur, which I mean, for people listening that don't know, Jaipur is an Indian restaurant in Omaha, been around for a few decades. It's actually, I don't know about Nebraska, but it is the oldest craft brewery in Omaha is Jaipur. They wow. were, the, I mean, again, we're going back probably. 25 30 years here at least but they they do they've always had they do a jalapeno ale um they usually have i think it's like a raspberry wheat and then they'll have a couple of others they'll do but they always have the jalapeno beer and it's it's really good and it's you know what every batch is just a tiny bit different i mean they're not it, it's definitely small batch uh, but God, it's always good. Hey, don't forget the Doc Talk podcast is presented by Betfred Sports. Basketball is back in full swing, and if you're ready to start betting on college basketball, whether it be Nebraska, Creighton, or whoever your favorite college basketball team, even NBA, go download the Betfred Sports app on the Apple and Google Play stores. Now you're probably going, Trav, I can't use this app in the state of Nebraska. Yes, but if you live in eastern Nebraska, you can drive across the river and go to Iowa, download the app, open up your account, start an account, use the promo code Doc 
Rock Talk and you get yourself a $20 free bet. If you live on the western side of the state, you can drive over into Colorado, do the exact same thing. If you're a Husker fan in Arizona, you can do it there as well. Uh, Betfred is expanding and growing all over uh, the United States thanks to legalized sports betting. And make sure to download the app because it has user-friendly applications, uh, competitive betting markets, and it's just an all-around easy app to navigate and place your bets. Don't forget, uh, you got to be 21 plus to make those wagers. And if you do have a gambling problem, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. And if you live in the central part of the state and can't get to Colorado or Iowa, call your state senator and ask him to freaking change this shit. Exactly. Nebraska covered the spread against Wisconsin, but I'm going to ask you something. Wait, can I you mentioned basketball. Yes. College basketball. Yes. Did you watch either the Nebraska or Creighton basketball games this past week? I did not. Creighton's really good. Fred's getting fired, dude. It's there's it ain't it ain't going to happen this year. I watched that first game against uh Oh, God, I just blanked on it. It's here. okay. Uh, St. John's. So it was against St. John's. And I know St. John's not a bad team at all. I felt like I was watching a bad high school basketball team. I'm just telling you, he's going He's going the Scott Frost route. Which is too bad, because I think most people want Fred Hoiberg to... to I real, well, I think most people wanted Scott to succeed. Well, that's true. I mean, for the most part. But but Fred and Scott have two different lifestyles, right? And, and, and Fred's been... Hasn't... Let his. I don't think he has any. No, I and I get that. I, I think people maybe. I understand what you're saying when you say it in the sense that people want this to work, and I think there's maybe, at least in retrospect, a little bit more likability factor yeah. here. God, they they are not good at all. And then you watch it, and then especially if you contrast it, because the Creighton game started right after the Nebraska game, and they were playing, I think it was UC Riverside, which it's one of those teams that kind of hovers right outside the top 25 perpetually. Not a great team, but they're a pretty darn solid team. They're, They're not bad at all. And it was, you know, the way I described it, it was just, it was like watching damn symphony compared to Nebraska, which looked utterly and completely disjointed, like they truly didn't know what they were doing. Compared to Creighton, where you see guys playing in system consistently, and when things don't go their way, they still stay within system. I just anyway, yeah, you mentioned that it kind of reminded me of watching those two games earlier this week, and it was just it was a little depressing as a Nebraska fan. Well, um, you can be a Creighton fan. You know, there's there's a lot of Jayskers out. Not happen. There's a lot of Jayskers out there. I, I don't. You know what? I I want to see Creighton do well. I want to see Nebraska whoop them every single year. And guess what? That ain't happening. No, and it hasn't happened for a long time. It really has. Yeah. So uh, Nebraska did cover the spread against Wisconsin, but I do. I, I want to bring this up. Uh, and I thought this is an interesting stat. I think Gary Sharp, uh, our buddy over there at uh, uh, the Zone sixteen twenty, the Zone. Uh, put this out there. Nebraska's played 23 games in the last two in the last two years. 14 have been one possession games. They are one in 13, one in 13 in one possession games. That's brutal. Nebraska led the entire game yesterday up until the last 45 seconds of the game. Rob, that's brutal. Um, just you, Scott Spreicher brought this up on behind the point spread. We don't have to talk a lot about the Wisconsin game because they lost, right? Well, I mean, it's. I think that's kind of why we're here is to talk about well, the. But, but I think this is over. This is kind of in general. You can equate it to the Wisconsin game. Anything, because Scott Spreitzer brought this up on behind the point spread, and that is since Mickey Joseph has taken over as head coach 
of Nebraska. The Huskers' power index, according to his handicapping, has actually fallen like 20 spots. My question to you is, is Nebraska a worse team under Mickey Joseph than they were under Scott Frost? Meaning, have they improved at all this year? It's, you know, I... I'm going to say yeah in terms of general overall. I don't know if attitude's the right word. But but I mean, they're still showing up. They're playing hard for the guy. They really are. I don't see a team that's quit, and I think that's interesting. Um, I didn't see a lot of quit last year, though, either. But last year, at least, they seemed like, God, they were right on the cusp of turning the corner and being a great team. And so it's easy to not quit when you're – as players, when you're sitting there going, oh, my God, we're so close. We're almost there. This team doesn't have that. This team's sitting here going like, yeah, we're screwed. We're getting a new coach next year. Uh, we're not making a bowl game. We are not a very good football team. These guys, that that's that's what they're seeing this year. And they're still showing up week in and week out, and they're doing some good things. But I think we, re- I think Nebraska truly has less to work with this year than last year. When you look at the fact that last year, Nebraska lost guys to the NFL. You lost some key components. You lost guys to injury this year. You, you, I mean, on the offensive line, ideally in a perfect world, Nebraska would have this year would have Cam Jurgens starting at center. You'd have Newelli at left guard. You'd have Teddy Prohaska at left tackle. Imagine those guys on this year's offensive line. And let's say, uh, let's put Trent Hickson, who by no means perfect, but put Trent Hickson, move him over to right guard. And, and then you have whatever at right tackle. But it's that that's an offensive line that would be so much more functional than what we've got right now in Lincoln. And we don't have that. So when you look at what they had last year to this year in terms of the players, when you look at that whole collection of sixth-year seniors that they had last year locking down that defense, it's we don't have that this year. This is not a good team in terms of just base talent compared to to last year. They that's a big step back. The fact that these guys are still going out there and you're seeing them out there truly trying as hard as they can. I just Mickey doesn't have much to work with. You would see if Scott Frost was still on staff, if Chenander was still on staff, you would have seen and I you know this is a question I'm going to have to ask have to ask Spritzer because it is kind of an interesting concept. That power rating that's just essentially plummeted since Frost has been fired. I see that plummeting anyway. I see that going down regardless. I I, I mean, I think it's kind of more a function of as Nebraska's gone along, they were going to be a not very good team regardless there's only so much polishing a coach an interim can do. I mean, look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not a very good team. No. It's not like they fired Paul Christ and, and Jim Leonard all of a sudden orchestrated this midseason turnaround. That didn't happen. So, I mean, they're not good either. 
does Wisconsin want Jim Leonard? Yeah, I'm, my understanding is that was the reason for getting rid of Paul Christ is because they wanted to lock in Jim Leonard and did not want to lose him. Well, let's see what Jim Leonard can do with a whole offseason to kind of get his stuff into position. I'm not saying Nebraska should do that with Mickey or is going to do that with Mickey either, but what I'm saying is when you look at that power rating uh, that Vegas is using when you're doing this evaluation on these teams within these given sports, would you have seen that same drop in the power rating for Nebraska had Frost stayed? And I 100% think it would have and very likely would have been even worse than it is now. Of course, you put the grades up yesterday. It's impressive that you put your report card up. And this has become one of the biggest talking points on your Twitter page week in and week out. And the responses are markedly different. They, they per, really person you, to person. You got like 261 likes on it, 99 different comments. The only grade that we couldn't put on there that you really wanted to give, we gave the offensive line an F, and you wanted to put remedial school on there. Yeah, you would have had to redo the whole graphic <laughs> for that. I, I get it. I get it. But again, I mean... Well, let's go down the grades because yes. I can see where you got yeah. them posted over here. So running game, I, I said D minus. You know, I thought the running backs did fine. It just that that was an on the O line kind of thing. They just weren't able to keep Wisconsin from 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 plugging the holes and stopping them. I, I thought Anthony Grant on the few times that he had a little sliver of space, he made something out of it. Those opportunities were just few and far in between. Uh, passing grade, I said. I said C is I can't even see it. Did I say C, C plus? minus? C minus. C minus. I mean, it, again, I thought Casey when he had time to work did okay. I, um, Vocal had, had a couple of drops that I thought were kind of painful. Casey had a couple of the other guys had some drops as well too. Uh, Washington had a nice catch. Trey Palmer had some nice catches, especially on that one touchdown. It's so these guys have done some okay things. I think there's some skill positions there where some of the skill guys are doing well. Again, the fact it's not higher is because of the offensive line. I mean, those those defenders were in Thompson's face the whole game. Offensive line. That might have been one of the worst performances I've seen this season out of that offense. And that's saying a lot coming from It you. is, and in their ability to work together, especially on some of the zone blocking plays, was horrific. And, and you saw a lot of it between Hickson and Piper at center and left guard. The two of those two guys could not get their timing down on the zone blocking. And it really showed. I know that I think it might have been. I think it was the last offensive series for Nebraska in the fourth quarter before Wisconsin scored the go-ahead touchdown. On that last one, uh, Hickson and Piper both essentially kind of whiffed on the D lineman uh, on his own blocking scheme, and both times it, it, they, the D lineman was able to blow up the play and force Nebraska to punt into the wind. Um, if I could have grade, if I if I was going to grade the coaching decisions, that was probably one of the big ones was not taking the wind in the fourth quarter because the wind was a factor. You texted that to me. You you said right away they should have taken the wind. Yeah, well, it's one of those. You got a team like Wisconsin that if and I figured that at, for most of the game, Wisconsin's playing from behind. 
you got a team that's playing from behind. They scored the go-ahead touchdown, I believe, with 45 seconds left in the game. Okay, that that is as come from behind as it can be. And if you're going to have a team in that situation where they are struggling to come from behind, that their first touchdown that they scored was on a uh, well, it would that. I shouldn't say first touchdown. That touchdown was set up by a pass out of the backfield to the running back. Again, in like with the wind. I mean, the wind actually carried the ball a little bit and helped set up. I mean, it wasn't the best throw, but Mertz hit hit the running back in stride because the wind carried the ball a little bit. I mean, that doesn't that play maybe doesn't happen if they're throwing into the wind. What if Nebraska is not not punting into the wind on that last offensive position possession before Wisconsin's go ahead touchdown? Again, if you got a team that is struggling like Wisconsin, and they have been, they're not a very good team. They're very similar to Nebraska in terms of what their capabilities are this year. If you've got a team like that, they're down by two scores. They're trying to come from behind in the fourth quarter force them to go into the wind. At the same time, when you're Nebraska and you know your back's probably going to beat against the wall at the end of this game in terms of trying to pull out a win, get it to where it's like, man, if you got a punt late in the game, sure as shit would be nice to not be punting into a really strong wind. Make Make the other team have to go an additional 10, 20 yards. That didn't happen. What goes into those decisions? Yeah, I mean, a lot goes into those decisions. I think a lot of what was in the thought process at the time was, is, A, we've got the lead. When we get the ball back in the third quarter, let's try and get that third score. Let's try and get that, let's try and get that one more score that in a game like this can put it out of reach. And I think it's, it's maybe a little bit of a slightly more aggressive thought process. On the flip side, if they're going to take the win, take the field position, I don't know. I I just I I thought they should have I sh- I thought they should have taken the win in the fourth quarter, and I thought that was a bad decision. In this situation, I think Mickey or whoever made that call was trying to be aggressive. Let Let's get the win in the third quarter. Let's score in the third quarter. Because knowing and, and if you really, scored one more time, there was no way you were going to lose that game. Game's probably over. Yeah. Nebraska gets a, gets that third score, even if it's a field goal. Yeah, they probably win the game because I think it changes how how Wisconsin plays. Interesting. Are you surprised how far down is Wisconsin going the way of Nebraska? Because I watched I watched them last week against Iowa. I watched them this week against Nebraska. They're not a good football team. I know why they fired Paul Christ when they did. Yeah, but they're not a good football team. They're not. They're not, and I think what's going to happen here is I. What I really wonder is, are are you, are you going to have kind of the ghost of Barry Alvarez haunting this team for a while? And I say that in the sense that kind of like Osborne has. Well, you know, I no, I say it in the sense that when 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 Alvarez was the athletic director, and a lot of these coaches talked about this. I mean, Bielema talked about this how. And Gary Anderson left Wisconsin because he said he, when you're working for Barry and Barry's the athletic director, 
you're basically basing your decisions, your game planning, your recruiting, your systems, all of that off of what Barry is telling you to do. I mean, he I created mean, he was, the culture. So I mean, he was cult, he was coaching from the athletic yes. director's office. When you were the head coach for Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez as the athletic director, you were essentially a coordinator. And it's when you look at that, it's it's why Gary Anderson left. I mean, he Gary Anderson had outstanding teams at Wisconsin. He was like, screw this, I'm leaving. I'm gonna go to Oregon freaking state. Really? I mean, it's why Bielema left. It was one of those, if I want to win and I want to do it, I'm going to do it my way, and I don't want to sit here and do what Barry's telling me to do week in and week out. Yeah, I don't think Tom ever meddled in, in anybody's business. No, I don't think but, he did. But either. his shadow always loomed large because you're and always I, compared to him, much like I Bear get, Bryant was before. And I get that, but I mean, I'm not even talking about a shadow looming large. I'm talking about an athletic director that essentially is functioning as the head coach yeah. of the program. Look at when, I mean, there was a couple of occasions where coaches left and Barry came out, quote unquote, came out of retirement, took over the head coaching duties for the bowl games and won. And the reason he was able to so seamlessly move right back into that role and win those games is because he was already the freaking coach. He was already pulling strings, running the show in those situations. Which isn't healthy. Not if you not if you want somebody it's to not grow, the grow way, as a head coach. It's not the way it's supposed to work. The, the goofy thing is, is Barry was a really, really, really like Osborne, like Devaney. Barry Alvarez was a very good coach who had a system that worked very well. Barry Alvarez could come out of retirement, go to a school, give him three years, and he'll have a pretty good Big Ten West football team. Look at, you know, the interesting thing about it, Bielema is an interesting model of this because Bielema goes to Arkansas. He's like, I, I wanna, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. I do not want to be in ba Barry Alvarez's shadow. The two of them had some very obvious friction. True. When they when when Bielema split from Wisconsin. And then there's, he comes back. He goes to Illinois. There's this very public reconciliation between Bielema and Alvarez. And you look at what Illinois has done in two seasons. They had Michigan on the ropes in Ann Arbor. Well, if you look at what Brett Bielema said, there was, a, what, a fourth down play, which Michigan wasn't called for an illegal pick play. And he more or less, he called out the refs. He didn't care. He knows he's going to get fined. But he called out the refs, said it's fixed, said money's on the line here, and people want Ohio State and Michigan undefeated. Polini said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, 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 I yeah, I'm not going to argue that one because I think <laughs> Bielema is right. My point, though, is as he goes to Illinois, and what does he do? What what is his style? What is his system at Illinois? Almost what Wisconsin was. It, it, well, here, let's have strong defense, good special teams. And I'm going to find a running back, and I'm going to turn him into a Heisman candidate and Chase Brown. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to put six or seven offensive linemen on the field on half our running plays, and we're just going to grind on you till you break. 
And guess what? The Big Ten West, that that tends to work fairly well. And two years in, he's turned Illinois into a bowl team. And should have been the Big Ten West Division champion. That's yeah, gonna, that's, I know, and I totally, exactly. But they're not going to win it, which leads us into <laughs> the next topic of discussion. Holy shit, dude. Is uh, Of course, this is the week everybody kind of dreads on this podcast because they know I'm going to gloat a little bit. They know I'm going to be uh, rubbing in a little bit. Now, Nebraska can still play spoiler because if Iowa beats Nebraska then Iowa goes on to the Big Ten championship game to play either Michigan or or Ohio State. Iowa yesterday, Nebraska can't find ways to win. Iowa find ways to win with a horrible offense. Iowa, and this might be this, this might be this season, and that game yesterday against Minnesota, that might be the most Iowegianist Iowa that I've ever seen in my life. I'm I'm like I'm like George Bushing words here together. I holy cow, dude! It was incredible. I mean, Ibrahim goes for like two sixty three. Yeah. Well, on, here let me do. I want to do a quick comparison okay. here. So when you look at the Nebraska Wisconsin game, yeah. So I'm just some team stats here, real quick. First downs: Wisconsin had twenty one, Nebraska had twelve. Total yards, Wisconsin in 318, Nebraska 171. Total yards. That's not rushing, that's total. Uh, (laughs) Wisconsin had 83 passing yards and 235 rushing. Nebraska had 106 passing and 65 rushing. I think they actually had like 95. They had like 100 or 101 rushing total, but had like 35 in, in losses on sacks and uh, tackles for loss. Um, time of possession, Wisconsin, 37 minutes, Nebraska, 23. Wow. So it's it's one of those, if you look at those stats, Wisconsin won that game. And they did. I mean, they did on the field. But, but look at the Iowa-Minnesota the Iowa Minnesota stats. So let's go to Iowa-Minnesota. Yeah. So, you're going to see something very similar, but a different so, result. So team stats, first downs, Minnesota 17, Iowa 13, total yards. Minnesota, it, it's three ninety nine. It's yeah. Minnesota at four hundred total yards. Iowa two eighty, rushing. Holy shit, dude! Yes, I gotta like. I'm holding the phone close. To my, I'm like, wait, am I reading this right? Iowa had fifty nine rushing yards, and how many did Minnesota have? Three hundred and twelve. Yes, Ibrahim had two hundred sixty three of them. Holy shit. Time of possession, almost the same. It was thirty. It was thirty-five twenty-five in Minnesota's favor. Yeah, there is no way on God's earth that Iowa should have won that game. But like, I can look at the flip-flop, the Nebraska game, and go. Not only should Nebraska have lost that game, we should have lost that game by by minimum two scores, not one point. We should have lost that game by two scores. You look at that, there's no way that Minnesota doesn't win that game by two scores. Well, what happens is Ibrahim uh, fumbles on like the five-yard line, ends a, ends a drive, and then Minnesota, who doesn't throw the, the football. And that's, and that's the equivalent of a seven-point swing right there. And then uh, Minnesota rarely throws the football, didn't need to throw the football. 
threw a pass, got tipped up by Riley Moss, an All-American, picked off by Jack Campbell, All-American, sets up the, the, the game-winning field goal, and that's it. Two turnovers. Iowa had zero turnovers. And that, when you think about that field goal and stopping Minnesota for a touchdown, that's, that's a 10-point swing yeah. right there off of two yes. turnovers. So, I mean, it's just it's, – it's, Iowa's defense finds a way – to keep the Hawkeyes in every game, in a lot of cases, win games. But I want to, I want to see. It's like somebody I would love to talk to Scott Spritzer, and have him go talk to some of their stat people in Vegas. Because, like, th- there's there's Billy Beans galore in Vegas, crunching these numbers left and right. I want to know what the what the statistical odds are of you having a running back rush for 263 yards, rushing for 300 combined as a team, and holding an opponent to let to 59 yards rushing and still lose the game. And still have 10 minutes advantage of time of possession. It is. I mean, to, to have that and still lose the game. Like, I'm sitting here, like, scratching my head trying to, trying to fathom how that happens. Iowa, out iowa Iowa to win this game. Uh, I will say this, and I'm not wearing my Hawkeye blinders here. I think I've watched plenty of college football. Iowa's defense, to me, is the best in the Big Ten. It's not. It's uh, and you. You've said it's uh, in your opinion. It might be one of the best you've ever ever seen. seen. Now, it, now, of course, my my limitations are what I've watched consistently over time. Nebraska encom- a lot and Iowa a lot, which encompasses a lot of football. The entire Kirk Ferentz era. Yes. Yes. But, I mean, this defense is stout. I mean, it's just so, so good. So much speed. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. I, that's why the Ibrahim thing was weird. I mean, they were, he he's the only guy that's been able to really get to the Iowa defense, and they still found a way to make the difference. I, I mean, Iowa will win special teams, and Iowa will win the defensive battle. I so promise here, you that. Well, and here's the thing, because we were sitting here earlier. I mean, Owen was setting up for the podcast this morning. And you you made some comment. We were, we were kind of talking about Iowa a little bit, and you said, "Yeah, they're still probably going to lose to Nebraska." I was joking, just because yeah, you know you said that, but I think it was. I mean, no, you weren't because you were serious. It was. It's it's that I have it's I that have to tra- brace myself for that, when it happens. It's that Trav Eeyore doom and gloom <laughs> that you're like, yeah, they're gonna they're still they're gonna, gonna freaking lose. lose to Nebraska. And first, you got to Owen's mouth. You've said that every year for the past seven years. <laughs> what I love is Owens. Owens uh, is the Iowa guy. His best friend Spencer is is a Nebraska guy, and he just loves to pick on Spencer because he's owned him. It's for, it's easy. It is easy. I mean, I again, I think about so again, I go back to recruiting because I've had kids my within the family, my nephew, uh, kid high school football players who who now play college football and none of these guys recall i mean they were in 5th grade the last time 4th grade 5th grade the last time nebraska beat iowa they don't remember when nebraska beat iowa as far as they're concerned i mean where the where the kansas to nebraska in the old big 8 Nobody remembers the last time Kansas beat Nebraska. When it's 1992, nobody remembers when that happened. 
Nobody remembers when K-State last beat Nebraska because it was 1968. None of us were born yet. That was the world I grew up in. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where we're at now. I mean, 2014 was the last year Nebraska beat Iowa. Now, I will say this. If, if where Nebraska stands a chance against Iowa, and it's a long shot, is that Iowa's offense is so bad. Just so bad. The offensive line is getting better. Uh, Caleb Johnson's a really good running back. Uh, Sam Laporta, who's an NFL tight end, got hurt yesterday, so we don't know if he'll play against Nebraska. Luke Lachey is 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 the backup tight end. He's going to be an NFL guy too. Uh, Iowa has really good tight ends. It's like tight end you now, but the offense still just fails to produce any sort of consistency because their coordinators suck well but see this is what iowa fans are struggling with right they're happy to be in a position to win the west division they're happy to be in a position to go to the big 10 title game they're disappointed because they know now nothing's gonna change nothing's going to change (laughs) that's honestly i just thought of that that when you said that i was just like i hadn't really thought about that but that's that's got to be God, talk about sort of a oh my God, that's that that's just like I mean that that is like the definition of sadomasochism right there. Yeah. I that's mean that's love hate, that's that, that's like pleasure pain yeah. all over. Because you want to win football games. You're happy that you win football games. You're good, they're gonna win the division. But there's the that underlying, oh my God, nothing is going nothing to change offensively. Change. Yeah. That's just brutal. Now, I, I get the way he plays football. I do. I, he plays field position. He'll play a chess match. Well, and, and, and he wants to ground and everybody and he wants to ground and pound. Everybody loves so, that, but it's okay. still just not very good. So let me ask a question here. So little devil's advocate question. Um let's pull opinion and emotion and fandom out of this. Okay. When you look at what Iowa has to work with this year on offense. On offense. Do they have a lot of options to do things differently than yes. what they are doing? Yes. Arlen, do, do, Arlen Bruce the Fourth is is a hell of a utility guy. Think of him. He, he would be a great wing back in the old system, right? Can, he could do so much stuff. Can block, can run, yes. can jet sweep, yes. can, place, can split out. Yes. Now, if Keegan Johnson was healthy, that adds a different Has dynamic. Keegan played at all this year? Uh, twice. That's it, man. It's not, and a lot of people what, are starting the, to wonder. What's the injury? Well, it's a it's a hamstring that was. And I haven't talked to Cluster, so I'm not I'm not trying to throw anybody under it, the it's bus. A, I'm it, not to, I'm not trying to make a commentary on no, the kid. No, it, it's a hamstring. That, I ask this truly as a hey, I haven't watched. I don't know. That was created by a previous injury to the hip. That weaken the hamstring. Does that yeah. make sense? No, I know what you mean. So, it, but a lot of people now are wondering if Keegan Johnson is going to hit the transfer portal because you can kind of tell that there's frustration amongst Kirk Ferentz about okay, why aren't you getting back into the game? Why aren't you? You know how how hurt are you? At least that's the way it's perceived. Now, hamstrings are weird things, but I don't blame Cluster and Keegan saying, hey, you reach a point where, screw it, I'm just going to redshirt. Why would I Why would I go out there and try to risk further so injury? he hasn't played four games. No, he hasn't played four okay. games. I think he's played two games. 
Okay. Which is which is interesting. He claims a redshirt hops in the yeah. transfer portal. He'll he's still got what three years yeah. or four years? Uh, he'll have three years left. Okay. Um, Nico Ragain, Ragaini, I guess is how you say it. He, he's a decent uh, uh, wide receiver. Brody Brecht is pretty good. They actually have skill positions besides quarterback that are decent. It's been the offensive line that has well, been inconsistent, which is. Well, and that's been my so that's my question though because I mean people ask me all the time, hey, why don't we do more of like a short passing game, quick passes, quick play action stuff, quick slants outs and passes to the flat where uh, Casey's able to get rid of the ball real quickly. I mean, it's it's a good question, but it, when I do see those, Casey still has guys in his face. It's not like. He's got time even on these quick passes. So my question for you is when you could when you take that that same argument to Iowa, I mean, you may, I, I ask, could they do something different? You're like, yeah, they got these guys who are excellent receivers. And I'm like, yeah, but do they A have somebody who can actually throw the ball? And B, does that guy have time? To make his reads, let patterns develop and throw and and actually get the ball. So let ball. me answer that. Has Spencer Petra struggled with with time? Yes. Can he throw the football? Yes. The problem is, I think he zeroes in and just focuses in on his safety net, which are the tight ends way too much. It's like he knows he gets the ball to tight end. He doesn't read a defense that well, and he and he he, he well, won't look for okay, an alternative. So my, so my question. So to, to boil so my it down, question, the, the my answer, answer is like you, no. you're saying yes, but the answer in reality is, is no, 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 because you don't have a quarterback. No, we don't have an make, offensive line. Well, you've got both. You've because if you had a quarterback who could make quicker reads, had a better arm, better reaction time, and could get the ball to the wide receivers, you'd do that. Arm is but fine. You Rob don't have that either. Arm is fine with with Spencer Petras. Mobility is a major problem. Well, then Major Padilla, uh, or is this properly pronounced Padilla? Padilla. Uh, they, I don't think that's going to happen. I think I, I, I know because Ferentz hates Padilla. I don't think he hates him. I just think it's one of those things where we were talking about on the doc's diagnosis. Casey Thompson playing this last week for, for, for Nebraska against Wisconsin is a noticeably better offense for Nebraska than when Smothers or, or Purdy. Well, there's there. a huge gap there. Yes. I just. I mean, when you looked last year, last year Petrus did get benched. Yes. No, he got hurt. He didn't get benched. Okay. He got hurt. Well, so either either way, though, Padilla came in and played a few games, including <laughs> the first half of the Iowa Nebraska yes. game. Yes. And then Petrus came in after halftime and led Iowa to a come from behind win over Nebraska. Yes. So I don't know. I just. When you look, I don't know, I kind of still feel like you're saying, yeah, Petrus is maybe the better of the two, but he's still not the answer for a college offense, and that he might be part of the reason, in addition to the O-line, that that Iowa's offense sucks. I would say it's more of the offensive line, and then it's Spencer Petrus. Okay, let's do this from a ranking standpoint. Okay. You've got three issues. You've got the O-line. You've got the quarterback, whether it's Petrus or Padilla. 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 And you've got 
the Ferentz family. The Ferenti. The Ferenti. <laughs> I know I'm just saying the, the coaching staff. When you, you've got Kirk and Brian yeah. calling the shots on what they want to see. By the way, it's Kirk calling the shots because you can go through the last three offensive coordinators and nothing's really changed, right? I mean, it's been nothing's changed. He's Barry Alvarez to exactly. Brian, what, whatever yes. Brian yeah. actually is. Let's say so, Brian wanted to do something. I think he has very little freedom in yes. terms of actually making those calls. All right. So we'll say, I'm just going to say Ference. Listeners can pick which one they want to be angry at. So you've got three factors here. You've got O-line, you've got quarterback, you've got coaching, you've got the Ference coaching. Rank rank those in terms of what's the biggest detriment to Iowa's offense right now to what's the least part of the problem. Um, the biggest detriment is the offensive line. Okay. Second one is Ference. Okay. Third one is is Petrus. Okay. Talking with you because again, I have not. I have watched very little Iowa Hawkeye yeah. football this year. Usually, I will try to watch Iowa play at least three full games most years prior to them playing Nebraska, which gives me at least a halfway decent feel for what they're doing. I, I haven't watched them at all this year. I truly do not know what they're. What they're what they're doing this season? You're going to so, be. Impre- I mean, all I all I can say is I have a feeling that Casey Thompson is going to get to know Jack Campbell and Seth Benson really well. Those are two linebackers that are studs. Campbell, Chad Lystico from the Des Moines Register said yesterday that he now believes Jack Campbell is the greatest linebacker in in, in Iowa history. Now, there's been some pretty that's darn. Imp- that's impressive because you've got NFL. You look at Greenway. You look at Jewel. I mean, those are in. Yes, those and they were good. And go NFL back to guys. to Larry Station in those days. I mean, yeah. there, there's just been some really good I linebackers. Mean, is he even making that comparison to Station? Because Station was a two-time All-American. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now it's hard to compare. It's not apples to apples, right? Because we're talking 1983 as opposed yeah. to so it's just different styles, different systems. Exactly. But, but you're talking about some incredible athletes. Yeah. So yeah, I just I I'm just going back to your comment earlier where you were just like, yeah, Nebraska's still probably going to beat them. I'm like, well, one, we haven't in almost a decade. That's true. That's Te- true. Technically, it's been almost a decade. We're closer to 10 years than we are five at this point. Um, Expect the worst. That way, the whatever happens. I get, it, I get that. It's just that when I look at the two teams, it's does Nebraska have a good enough offense to overcome what is at least arguably the best defense of the Kirk Ferentz era? And that includes some very good defenses. And I think that answer is an absolute resounding no. It's not even close. It would be interesting to see what they do with Trey Palmer. I, I would try to use Trey Palmer like they did against Purdue. I really would. I think I, I think, I, I think Trey Palmer, if they use it right, and I was always kind of struggled with a mobile quarterback. That's where this gets kind of interesting. If Casey's healthy, and we, we have no reason to think he won't be, that that adds a different dynamic where I think uh, the Nebraska offense can keep Iowa off guard. So here's where I have a concern okay. about this game and why I don't think those things will be a factor. I mean, they might be a factor. Are they going to be game-changing factors? And in my opinion, that's 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 also a resounding no. Resounding is the Rob Zadiska 
word of the day. Look at that. Resounding. 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 I'm going to say it at least twice more. Okay. So um, the reason that's a big no for me is because, and when I say that, I'm talking about Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer. Those, th- those are big no's for me. Iowa's defense, when you look at who they played, now I, I get it, Ibrahim had 263 yards. So Minnesota's offensive line was doing some solid work. Um, Wisconsin did some okay things offensively against Iowa. Um, this will be arguably one of the worst. This might actually be the worst offensive line that, that Iowa faces in the Big Ten West this year. And that's not good for Nebraska because no, not at all. That defense so, I mean, is nasty. It is. So I mean, I'm looking at like, okay, well, Northwestern is a really bad team. Nebraska was a bad special teams call on that onside kick away from beating Northwestern. God, that seems so long. ago. It does, doesn't it? Holy shit! A lot of stuffs happened since then. That was a while ago. Um. So. Northwestern's offensive line, I'm, I'm blanking on the dude's name, really good offensive tackle. Anyway, he's an NFL guy. Northwestern has a better offensive line than Nebraska does. Wisconsin has a better offensive line than Nebraska does. Wisconsin's offensive line, definitely better than what Nebraska has. Um, I would probably argue, I'm not even going to say probably, Indiana has oh that's a tough Indiana's offensive line was not very good. I think they're better than Nebraska. I don't think they're that I don't think they're as bad as Nebraska's. They're not good though, but um Illinois' offensive line in my opinion definitely better than Nebraska. I mean, that's kind of running through the I think Iowa's is it's just so young better. Yes. They're just inexperienced. Inexperienced. But it's my point is, is that when you look at the defenses that Nebraska's defenses had to go against, this does it's I mean, Nebraska's defense I think will do okay against Iowa's offensive line, but I don't think it's gonna matter because you've got arguably what we're talking about as one of, if not the best, Iowa defenses in the last 20 years. You're saying it's probably one of the best ever. Yes, yes. I'm going to say let's put some limitations on it, but if you even say it's one of the best defenses of the last 20 years that Iowa's had, I would be willing to say, and I don't think I'm wrong when I say this, that this is arguably the worst offensive line that Nebraska has had in the last 20 years. I think the last offensive line that I looked at where I had some serious questions about, you know, you could, 1998 was not great. They had some very, very good players on it. They had some okay guys. It was a little disjointed. New offensive system. You got Frank Solich's first year. It's a little bit of a shakeup at quarterback. Had some changes there that made it difficult for those guys. But... 98 wasn't great. I mean, last year, the last couple of years weren't awesome by any means. But this might be. I mean, I, I think the, the the 2022 offensive line for Nebraska 
it is probably, in my opinion, the worst offensive line I've seen in the last 20 years. Wow. And that's going to go against the best, best defense. defense that Iowa has had in the last 20 years. You think Trey Palmer and Casey Thompson can overcome that, and I think that answer is a res- – here, one or two more – that is a resounding note. <laughs> you know, it's funny about yesterday's Wisconsin game, uh, and uh, Owen's girlfriend Lizzie was down there for the first half, and uh, they were joking about the lack of people that were at the stadium. Now, I know it was cold, but l- 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 we cannot – it's the not – The tickets sold. They sold the tickets. I bought my tickets. I get it. I, I get go. it. I of course, get actually, it. my tickets did get used. I had a, All right, I'm just of, telling you. The, one the, of my coworkers, you, Caden, used the tickets. You so. can talk about the sellout streak all you want, but it's it's the biggest fallacy out there right they're now. They're selling the tickets. People are buying them. Are they're they they're sh- only buying them so they, they can keep hanging yeah, up another number. I get it. The question is, are people showing up to watch a shitty product? No, no, because they're no, such they're fans. Not. They'll buy a ticket so they can put up another number and have it be a, a stupid record that doesn't I, okay, exist. Okay, so I get it, but I you go back to midseason. I mean, I, there were a lot of empty seats midseason. There were. My daughter and I went to the Nebraska North Dakota game. It's an FCS school. It seats ninety thousand people. There were 80,000 people there. You looked around, you're like, yeah, there is obviously 10,000 empty seats in here. This place is not filled. There's easy 10,000 empty seats. But here's the thing. 80,000 people showed up to watch Nebraska almost lose to an FCS school. Well, that's pretty damn good. I it's one of those you can here's my thing on the sellout streak. You can bag on the fact that Nebraska touts the sellout streak and you've got a lot of empty seats in the stadium. Guess what? 50 plus 60 plus thousand people are still I mean that's let's say the stadium's only two thirds full. That's 60,000 yeah. people. 60,000 of us dumbasses, I'm throwing myself into, are still showing up <laughs> to watch a crap product. Because I went, I watched Nebraska almost lose to an FCS yeah. school because I'm a Nebraska fan. I grew up in Lincoln. We love our team. It's, again, beg on the sellout streak all you want. Oh, I will. If you took this product... And put it in Iowa City, seventeen people would be showing up. Oh, it'd be a little more than that, but okay, I, I know sorry. what you mean. It wouldn't be so. Thirty-eight long. people would be showing up. Put this product in Minneapolis, in Camp Randall, in Ant- Dude, there were. Did you did you watch clips of that Michigan game? Yeah. You've got a top four team in the country. Even if they lose to Ohio State, probably still going to the playoff. Could, maybe. Depends how close that game is. You have a playoff contender. And that stadium, I get it. it it's it's 105,000, whatever. That stadium was 20% empty. And weather had a major deal to do with that. It was freaking 20 degrees in Lincoln. Don't give me the weather shit. 
If it doesn't, if if you can't claim that for Nebraska, you can't claim it for Michigan. I, I'm either. not because Texas go, A&M said they sold ninety thousand tickets at their at their game yesterday, and there was nobody there. Yeah, zero people there. It's a shitty product. So, and that's my point: is that are you going to get sixty to eighty thousand people to come watch a shitty product week in and week out in most places around the country? Here, my last time. That's a resounding no. <laughs> it's you can bag on the sell-off streak all you want. Show me someplace else in this country where sixty to eighty thousand people are going to consistently show up and watch a crap product. Lincoln, Nebraska. That's it. That's the only place you're going to see that many people show up to watch that. Well, when you want to watch a crap product or even a really good product, <laughs> you can uh, go to uh, ticketsforless.com. In fact, uh, my son Owen and my daughter Mary are using uh, ticketsforless.com uh, this week to go watch the Hawkeyes take on the Huskers at Kinnick Stadium. So if you're looking to tickets to the next big event, be sure to uh, start your search for tickets at ticketforless.com. Tickets for Less is formerly Ticket Express, uh, and it's your home for the lowest prices on event tickets, both local and nationwide. Not only do do Tickets for Less uh, have an uh, unrivaled customer care service team to ensure that you have the best ticket buying experience, but they also never charge you a per-ticket service fee, saving you big money at checkout. Plus, when you use the promo code DOCTALK for ticket at uh, Tickets for Less, you can save even more on your order, so make sure to save on your... Sh- Seats and shop for your seats at ticketforless.com. All right, Dr. Rob, I know you're on call at the hospital now because it, it's 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 deductible season, man. I mean, now it's it's everybody's like, oh my God, we got blower. It's all deductible. hands on deck. All, all hands on deck. I'm gonna have you on call here at Doc Talk Sports because um we don't know if it's gonna drop this week. There's been rumors that there could have been a press conference today, could be one later this week. You got to believe it's going to come fairly quickly after the Iowa game, the announcement of a new football coach at Nebraska. I think it's coming this week. Um, I don't want to start any rumors, and I don't want to buy into any rumors. That might be the better way to phrase it. It's like when I say, "Well, I don't want to start." Yeah, because any we rumors. just did a podcast last that's week about a, don't buy into the rumors. Yeah, that sounds like I'm saying I know something. I actually don't. I don't want to buy into the any rumors because you would think it's going to happen, and you would think it's going to happen very soon because we're getting down towards the end of the season. At this point, I truly don't know. And I mean, I, I've heard lots of stuff. I mean, like most most recently, it's been the whole Matt Rule stuff. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he would be an obvious choice, both in terms of track record. I know somebody made the point on Twitter. They were like, dude, Rule sucks. His, his college coaching record is only 522. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, yeah, it's 500. But when you go and look, Temple. He, he hit the door at Temple when Temple was horrible, and his first one or two seasons were pretty sad. Then he had a mediocre season, and then he had two or three really good seasons. And then he goes to Baylor. And his first season, he goes 1-11. and 11. His second season is either 7-6 and six or 6-7. Six and seven. And then his third season, he goes 11-3, and three. He has two one-score losses to Oklahoma, and one of those one-score losses was an overtime. I can't remember if it was the regular season or the 
the Big Big 12 title game. And then he goes and has a one-score loss to a very good Georgia team in the Sugar Bowl. So I, either way, every place he goes, he has that first that that rough first season, a mediocre second and second and or maybe third season, and then all of a sudden it's nine to eleven wins after that. So the whole idea that a he he's got a five twenty two coaching record in college that he can't coach college football. I don't buy that. I think he's very good. I also don't look at what he did with the Carolina Panthers in terms of how good a coach he is. Yeah, Nick Saban did do very well with the Miami Dolphins. Nick Saban sucked in the NFL. He was horrible. Steve Spurrier sucked in the NFL. Lou Holtz sucked. Did Lou Holtz go to the NFL? Uh, I swear to God he did. He was with the Jets. Yeah, so Lou Holtz sucked in the NFL. People forget Lou Holtz was at Minnesota. Yeah. People forget that he was in Arkansas. The Arkansas is what actually yes. is actually what I yep. remember. That's yeah. where people are like, ah, oh, this weird little leprechaun dude who ought to be at Notre Dame. He's a pretty damn good football coach. Um, no, nah, but yeah, it, it's one of those. I don't look at how a coach, a, a quote unquote college guy does in the NFL. NFL guys are NFL guys. And, and most NFL coaches don't do that great most of the time. Yeah, Pete Carroll's been the odd one because Pete Carroll, he, he was okay NFL coach, great at USC, but then went on to, to win a Super Bowl at Seattle. So he yeah. he, he must he learned. He's a thing one or of the two. Few, he's one of the few guys, and I I would make the argument USC of that era was basically an NFL team. That was an NFL team. Pete Carroll was there managing high salaried employees. <laughs> When he was at USC, so don't don't tell me he he was a great college coach. He he was actually pretty damn good, but it's it's yeah. So I don't count what what Matt Rule what happened with him at Carolina. I mean, we've got all. So if you're to look at Matt Rule and go like, well, God, he sucked with Carolina. I don't want him as a coach. Well, shit, you're telling me you'd take Urban Meyer? Because guess what? He freaking sucked with Jacksonville. People would line up to t- Adam Carriker. Did you see Adam Carriker's post this morning? That was a disaster. And no, I did not. All he did was post a picture of Urban Meyer. I thought it was kind of funny because you know that's just gonna that's gonna get oh, the it's gonna push the buttons, dude. Adam, it's but that's one of those things where. So here, I mean, what if it is Urban? Which I, I got to be honest, I'd be the first to tell you. I'd, I'd kind of feel a little bit like we just sold our soul. I think, but you know what? If you won, you wouldn't care after a while. I think collectively, it's, it's, people would not care. I'd be a little. I mean, I'm keeping that at arm's distance. I guess. I don't think it's going to happen. By the way, Urban? No, no, no. It, it, it would shock me too. I mean, just knowing when you look Trev at the way some, we know Trev, when you look at some of the other changes personnel wise. Yeah, I'm talking here that Trev's made in Lincoln. I, I don't think urban happens in a million years. I, I, I would totally agree with you on that. Got a random question coming in uh, from James. This is, and this kind of goes into the NFL thing, too, because NFL Players Association has almost demanded the National Football League go to all grass and all its stadiums. He wants to know your thoughts regarding slit film field turf. He thinks Nebraska should get rid of it. Wonder how many injuries the Huskers have had uh, owning to a slit. What, what is the difference between slit film turf 
and I don't, I don't even know. And there's a regular field. I don't turf. know. There's some jargon here. I, don't, I mean, I know field turf. Yeah, is that the? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, the field turf that Nebraska has right now, which is similar. I don't know between high schools and colleges nationwide, NFL teams as well too. There's tons and tons of teams that, and when I say tons and tons, I'm talking like 75 percent of the teams out there, high school through the well, NFL. High that school are using, it makes sense because we're talking about use of play. Yeah, I, I mean you can't play all the time on a grass field. Now yeah. college and pro, you, people are intramurals and and other sports teams aren't going to go use the natural grass. And if you go back to last year, we had the dude on from Penn State who's from Nebraska, Which, still to this day. One of the most interesting podcasts. We've yeah, and, and not one of our most listens to, but I'm telling you right now, you should go listen to it because if you could, if you could, yeah, go back, yeah. find the one on 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 turf. God, that was a, that was interesting. It's all get out anyway. Um, no, if I could, so I always tell people the story when I when I was in high school, we played on grass my whole high school career. We go to uh, go to Nebraska. I start off my first couple of years there. It was the true old school AstroTurf. Yeah, which is horrible. And then they went to a, it was kind of a more, my 92-ish, I think it was 1992. We went to a more, I'll call it a more modernized version of AstroTurf. And it was like playing on a fucking Brill pad. It was, that shit removed so much skin. It was brutal. It just, you, you went to cut on it. Taught, there was zero give to the stuff. It would lock your foot. Brutal, brutal turf. Nebraska only had that from 92 till roughly 97. 798, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And then went to field turf yeah. after that. So, I mean, that was only there half a dozen years. That might have been the shortest lived field in Nebraska history. Um, but yeah, so Nebraska's had field turf or a field turf type product ever since, and I think it's it's better than the old astro turf. It's better. It's it's way better than the old artificial turfs. If the question is is natural grass better, and do players and coaches prefer natural grass, the answer is a resounding one hundred percent yes. I mean, I remember by the time I graduated from Nebraska, I was begging to go back and play on natural grass again. And in fact, the thing that always cracked me up was early in my pro career with the Giants, we had the uh, uh, MISL, Major Indoor Soccer yeah. League. We had the, we, we had the new, new York, New Jersey Metro Stars. It was the pro team in New York. And they played at Giants Stadium. And it was kind of this late summer through early fall league. And they would bring in the, the, the natural grass for the soccer team. And they brought it in on these portable pallets that they'd come in and set on the field. And it sat on top of the art, our shitty artificial turf. And it was the old AstroTurf that we had in Giants yeah. Stadium there in the mid-'90s. And it was so bad. And then they'd bring this grass in, and we'd play the the preseason games and maybe the first one or two regular season games on natural grass, and it was like heaven. It was beautiful. And it was just, oh, my God, it was so much easier on the body. And it was... uh, 
And the quality of play is good. I mean, I know some people say like, well, artificial turf is faster. The quality is better. Guys don't slide. Nobody loses footing. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't think it's that much better. Um, the footing, I mean. But, I mean, the, the injury rates just completely drop on natural turf. Well, the natural NFL says grass. that's not true. The NFL says that. Bullshit. Uh, okay. So you and that's well, what I said. And part of the reason I say that is, I mean, we talk with our turf guy from Penn State, and he even had numbers where he said, "Yeah, if you go and look within the turf management departments at both at Penn, I mean, at Penn State as well as other schools that have turf management programs." He said one of the things, he goes, yeah, we readily have those numbers available. Here, give me a second. And he clicks on his computer for like one and a half seconds and says, yeah, on average for a college football team, here are the medical cost savings from adding natural grass instead of artificial turf. That's a, that is a tracked statistic within turf management programs. So you can't tell me those numbers are different. And it's, I can't remember. It's not like it's a million dollars, but it was like $600,000 or it was, I mean, it was a six figure dollar amount that they, that he threw at us in terms of the medical cost savings for a college athletic program by installing a natural grass football field. And, you know, Trev had the opportunity to do it last year, didn't do it. Maybe when they renovate Memorial Stadium, which is coming up very, very soon, maybe that will be in the grand plans. Um, what are you doing for Turkey Day? Anything? Dad, getting together with the family. I, I don't know. I doubt we'll do turkey. Not big turkey people. Really? It's okay. I guarantee if you came to my house, you because every time you come to my house, you eat well. You know I that. Do. Right? So let me ask you this: How often do you eat turkey? Once a year. Yeah, there you go. Why? Uh, because it tastes good on Turkey Day. It tastes. It, I, I like it. I. You know why? Because it's such a damn big bird. Nobody wants to spend three hours cooking. Fuck the that shit. They sell. They sell. Not only do they sell turkey breasts only, they sell half turkey breasts. You can get it. I'm talking about the full bird. Yeah, man. screw that. Full bird. You Just can go get a half turkey breast, skin on, no less. I mean, it's a bone in, skin on turkey breast. You know what I still have never had? A fried turkey. I've never had a turkey. See, that's how I used to do it all the time, and it was awesome. Within the realm, within the scale of turkey, it's up there. My number one, I would probably say. It's kind of a tie between fried and smoked. I actually love smoked turkey. So I, I love smoked turkey breast. Slice it. So if I, if I were to put a turkey on my Traeger, how long would that take? I, uh, I mean, not a short amount of time. But I mean, you'd be able to do it in half a day. Enough time to drink a few beers. Okay. Well, I tell you what, this uh, this funky Buddha. I'm two in, and I'm feeling this one already. It's it's only six percent. It's not crazy. It's no, good, but, though. But, but I'm feeling it. There, yeah. But my point is, I think we do almost everything but turkey. So we do that's like we do the United Colors of food for Thanksgiving. We do a little of everything. But you got vegans and vegetarians in your family, so you get you got yeah. Be- but even they'll eat uh, seafood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we literally it'll run the gamut from. I mean, it'll run the gamut from sushi to like ribeye. Okay. So 
You know what you come here for? Breakfast. My wife made you biscuits and gravy. BG, baby. Biscuits and gravy. Couldn't go wrong with that. Oh, my God. It was so good. Hey, just to let everybody know, there's going to be another podcast drop later this week. Um, as we, we recorded one last week, we didn't know the right time to 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 drop it, but it's going to probably drop on Wednesday, and it's going to be an interview with Joe Moglia. I think you're going to find it interesting, entertaining. We went for about an Joe hour. Joe is never yeah, not entertaining. Joe has is, Joe is always got plenty of words, so be ready for that to drop uh, a little bit later this week. Um, and, of course, we'll be back uh, after the Iowa game. Uh, if And Rob has promised me if Iowa wins, he will wear an Iowa sweatshirt. If you got one that fits me. I might be able to find one for you. I might be able to find <laughs> one for you. We'll, we'll put you in some Hawkeye gear. How's that? There we go. I, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm sitting here with the floor. I lost to them twice, including national title. They're playing well, too. They got Florida coming up this week. That's going to be a good game. They do. Norvell, yeah. I think it's people. There were some doubts after his first year. Yeah. I think people are all in now. I think he's the real deal. He's going to, if they beat Florida this coming week, that's the, so that's rivalry weekend. It's, yeah. It's Florida, Florida State. Florida State's already knocked. They spanked Miami. This is like the state title game. Hey, go check out Husker Hounds. Two locations in the Omaha area, especially for Black Friday for all your Husker needs. and get all and, your and once, basketball gear. You can get all your uh, stocking stuffers at Husker Hounds. Two locations in the Omaha area. The Superstore at 84th and Center and online at huskerhounds.com. You need a lawyer, go to Orr, Horgan, and Flente, and especially our good buddy Connor Orr. Looks like he had a really nice group down at the Nebraska Law Dude, School. they had a big crowd show and up that's for, good. That, for that symposium. Good job, Connor. Uh, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, we'll have him back on before the end of the year as well to talk some more NIL stuff. But again, if you need a litigator, you need a lawyer, go to OHFLaw.com. Again, thanks to Tickets for Less. And as always, our sponsor, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sports. Go ahead, download the sports app today, the Betfred Sports app today on the Apple Google Play Store and start your sports betting adventure now. For Dr. Rob Zadiskam, Travis Justice, we'll talk to you next week on the Doc Talk podcast presented by Betfred Sports. Betfred Sports.